0: as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at Sidewalk-Talk.org. This is a special early release of our weekly podcast. I bring a really insightful conversation with Vietnam War veteran Gary Ferguson, who today launches his book, A Good Day to Die, which you can find out more about on agooddaytodie.com. Some things. First of all, some stats about U.S. veterans. Did you know that 7% of U.S. adults are military veterans? 75% 75% of them were wartime veterans. So that's about 20 million Americans, according to Pew Research. More importantly, 22 people who are veterans die by suicide every day. That is a person every 65 minutes. So while you're listening to this podcast, a veteran will likely have ended their life. If you are a veteran, There may be some things in this conversation that may be hard to hear, or it may be heartening. If anything arises for you, you can contact Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255, number 1. A bit about Gary. He was drafted into the Vietnam War at 19. He's a 73-year-old man now. He's been a homeless addict three times. And part of why I wanted to bring his story is we actually have listened to many Gary's on the sidewalk over the last many years. And my son, my 11 year old son has a special place in his heart for us veterans. He's incensed when he comes out to help at sidewalk talk, why there would be somebody who served our country on the street. As you listen to Gary, He has really pursued unconventional means for his own journey to healing. You might have some interesting things come up in your listening. So I want to challenge us all to practice our sidewalk talk listening skills as we listen to Gary. This is the opportunity. I love bringing on guests where I get to learn and you get to learn how to not only learn from their wisdom, but in actually listening to their story, we get to challenge judgments, assumptions, stereotypes, right? And I want you to let the guiding question be, Gary, I want to know who you are. And let any ideas about how things should be or how he should be fade into the background. And so I bring you Gary Ferguson, 73-year-old, Vietnam combat veteran and his release, A Good day dot com, is out today. And to all of our veterans, thank you for your service.
1: I'd been a millionaire three times. I'd been homeless three times. I'd been bankrupt three times. I was a Practicing alcoholic binge drinker who spent most of his time in blackouts and addicted to just about every type of drug there was. Trying to relieve the pain that was in my pain body from the experiences that I had not only in childhood, but during the Vietnam War.
0: Mm.
1: That being said, that death experience allowed me to cross over crossed over the veil, if you will, the other side. And for the first time, I had peace of mind, Mm. only to be returned, because there was something for me to do. And Mm. I never really got a clear definition, nor do I have a clear definition of what that is today. So I show up every day in service to others uh, with this profound attitude of gratitude that allows me to be in the world today in the complete state of joy, Mm. which is fundamental frequency necessary for happiness. So I've devoted my life for the past 33 years in finding out why the question you asked me why is because I've been tasked by a force outside of self to share my experience, strength and hope in such a way that others might find hope because if there's hope for a guy like me then there's a hope for a guy or gal like you yeah so that's what that's that's what i do it's it's been the best 33 years uh so far even though i've learned along the way through my recovery process uh, all the tools and techniques. I've been trained by some of the world's masters, if you will, in experiential training. Uh, extraordinary amount of uh, processing that I've done personally. Uh, I've, I've had four successful marriages. a uh, grandfather. 95% of everything most people do are ran by programs. And those programs are developed usually before the age of 11. So at my age, to, to only have 5% of my time available to experience life in the moment of now didn't seem realistic to me. So now I spend most of my time in the, in, in the moment and I'm present. And quite honestly, I got a lot of those skills from learning how to listen to people. Yeah. So that's probably my greatest gift is I'm able to listen because I don't have an opinion about anything.
0: So it sounds like both from growing up on the streets when you were a young man and then this experience of being drafted into the Vietnam war com- compelled you to be a grower because you had no choice because you had to face so much trauma and part of your growth has been a very s- spiritual journey and that that that, that has been part of your healing. Is that right?
1: Oh, absolutely. It is. I have, I have done the work. There's no substitute for the work. Hmm. You know, uh, I used to, uh, you know, when I was diagnosed in 1986, with post-traumatic stress, I had already been on my way to prison. And uh, because I had no on and off switch. And when they came out in 1986 with the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress, it was too late for me. I had already learned how to self-medicate. Okay, and until you can, until you can deal with what's going on on the inside, you will find substitutes on the outside to mask that pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it's so, you know, the amount of time and energy that I have spent uh, in therapy and, and going looking for a solution from someone else or something else uh, it just never really gave me that uh, it just never never gave me the experience of that i'm okay mm. you know and it's it's almost like to also to clarify my definition of a veteran we're all veterans all 7.2 billion if that's how many there really are of us we're mm. all veterans you know, if you're a if you're a, a, a survivor of, of child abuse, you're a veteran. If you're a mother, you're a veteran. You know, if you're a father, you know we're all veterans of something. The fact that some choose to wear the military uniform and and have a, a clear distinction, if you will, of serving their country, uh, you know that's just one of many many definitions. I mean if you if you work with the homeless population you'll find that they're veterans and most of them have amazing amazing consciousness and stories to tell you know I some of the best years I had was when I was homeless living on the riverbank in sacramento california
0: so how tell me about that how old were you when you experienced homelessness and how long were you living on the street and and what was that? Well, the Bye. first time
1: I experienced homelessness uh, and kind of living on the streets is when I uh, I had to uh, run away to survive the streets of Boyle Heights because I was sexually uh, uh, molested and uh, basically locked up by this uh, uh, perpetrator for a couple of weeks. So when I finally escaped my captor, uh, I spent about three weeks trying to find my way home. My parents had moved and I didn't know where they had moved to, but I had these really good instincts, you know, kind of like the dog that gets left behind on vacation, you know, goes across <laughs> the United States to, to get dinner. Uh, so I, uh, uh, that was my first time. So I got pretty good at it. You know, I, I, I knew how to live along the freeway, let's put it that way. And go through dumpsters and find food and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, and then the next next time uh, was shortly after I had my uh, uh, my breakdown, if you will, my death experience. Uh, during the time of uh, my drinking and drugging career, there were several times where I lost everything, and I would find myself homeless and having to start all over again. I've lived in I've lived between dumpsters. Uh, I've lived in storage buildings. Uh, you know, I've lived on a tent along the river. Uh, uh, those were some good, really good years because I basically was free. I didn't have all this uh, pressure and responsibility. And, uh, yeah, so I uh, I kind of, in a way, I kind of missed those days. Um, hmm. uh, they, were, uh, they were good. And I learned an awful lot about compassion and uh, empathy because, uh, you know, we could all be homeless in a heartbeat, literally, depending upon circumstances, and, uh, and a lot of the work I did in my early career with, with veterans was primarily because of a, a series of events. One minute they had a job and a home, and the next minute they had no job, no home, no family. And sometimes it's just too overwhelming for folks, you know, and so they, they choose to uh, live on the streets.
0: So Gary, I'm hearing this incredible amount of trauma that you already experienced that you bring into combat, and then you sort of lomb on a bunch more trauma, and then you come back and you're sent out into the world, and there's a lot of pain, you know, no on-off switch, as you'd said. There is something unique, and I appreciate the bridge you're building between everybody in the world, that we're all survivors, we're all veterans of something, which is a really heartening way to sort of have us feel connected to the veteran experience. And I'm aware that this conversation that you and I are having is going to air on Veterans Day. And there is something unique to the veterans experience, because unlike veterans, you don't see many mothers. You You see many. You see many, especially now with the economy in the United States, um, but there, there is a large number of veterans that do wind up homeless or addicted. And I want you to bring us into that experience so that we can be better stewards of well-being for our community members who are veterans that are struggling, that we might see out on the street. Bring us in a little bit to what is unique about a veteran and the kinds of trauma that they carry and the ways that we can show up in our listening that might, it might not change their life, but it might make a difference.
1: First off, let me say that because I had the, uh, the benefit of listening to several of your podcasts, what I discovered about what you're doing is one of the things that's currently missing. Uh, From a veteran's point of view, they're not the ones that are broken. We are, meaning society. And so they have this experience of us and the, the social conditioning that we have here in America. And I think it's probably the same around the world is that uh, veterans are broken and they all have, uh, we've we've bought into this definition of post-traumatic stress, that untreated becomes a disorder. And not only have we bought into it, but also veterans have bought into it because if they have a disease, disease, a disease that we call post-traumatic stress disorder is nothing more than being out of, in the world of energy, we're out of vibrational alignment. We're, we're not in tune with our authentic self. And as a result, we find ourselves uh, basically alone. You know, we could be in a room full of a thousand people and we're, we're stone cold alone unless there's another veteran in the room and then we seem to be able to find one another. And it's a vibrational frequency from what I can tell so far. And so what happens is uh, we isolate and we turn to self-medication, whether it's gambling, drugs, sex, it doesn't matter what it is, they're all isms. uh, And we treat that emotional pain body with outside influencers a lot of times we hide behind work i was a workaholic when i quit drinking and drugging and gambling and all the crazy behavior i just became a workaholic i figured i'd control the world by making lots of money i i like i said i was a millionaire 3 times and homeless 3 times so it wasn't about the money you know there was a longing uh there was a part of me that all i wanted was to be acknowledged for who I was, and who I wasn't—not the performer, if you will—you know, I'm a highly decorated combat vet from from the Vietnam era. I served at the first Tet Offensive, which was the height of the Vietnam War. There were no rules of engagement with the unit that I had. So to be on 85 combat missions and to survive when others didn't because of decisions I made, that added to the, not only the pain body, but the burden, if you will, of being responsible for the death of another human being. When you're responsible for the death of a human being, one is one too many. Because of my my military position, as a forward observer, I had the power to destroy and vaporize villages. Now you're talking about men, women, children, animals, everything, everything goes. And when you have to find a way to live with that, a human being in consciousness, you either die, or you find a way to share the experience with others in such a way that perhaps we can knock it off. You know, we there, there is no politically correct way to take human life. Not zero. Not a... And yet we're programmed because of our belief systems. And we live in this duality, the world of right or wrong, good and bad, you know, black and white, uh, And that's a construct because we leave our as-one consciousness usually by the age of three. Which basically means we until we exist and we have a name, we don't even exist. There's just the consciousness between the mother and the child. That's really the, the energy of singularity or God consciousness. And then once we come onto the stage, we spend the rest of our life acting out in this world of duality energetically. And we create our mask and we create the belief systems and everything else to fulfill on the intention. Well, when I discovered why I did what I did and the why behind the why, I found freedom. And so I've spent, the you know, 33 years out of 73 years working on the solution, recognizing the problem. And the problem, of course, was me. I have a thinking disorder, the illusion of self driven by an ego that is relentless to be right in order to survive. True listening skills does not require a conversation. It only requires an acknowledgement that you've heard what they had to say and that you're absent in that conversation of your opinion. Most people listen long enough just to have something clever to say, and that's their ego. So what we have is a world full of egos talking to each other, and pretty much everybody's full of shit. We uh, <laughs> just don't have the courage to admit it out of fear that if I tell you who I really am, if I stand naked before you in the essence of truth, authentic truth of who I am, you would have the power to hurt me. And as Rumi would say, life will continue to break your heart until it stays open. Mm-hmm. So now I'm able to live life large. I have an extraordinary life because I have an open heart. And even though I I still experience pain from the suffering of others, it no longer runs the show. I don't close up and retreat or look for... Uh, substitution of, of energy, if you will, through drugs, alcohol, bad behavior, uh, drama, if you will, that creates more trauma. I'm pretty much pain-free nowadays.
0: So let me just grab on to a few things that you said, because there are several bullet points that you've covered here that I feel like it's worthy to slow down and, and sort of take them and be with them a little bit. The first that you said was that veterans can oftentimes see society as broken and the social conditioning of society that creates this narrative that veterans are broken when in essence you'd said, but actually veterans see it's society that's broken, not the veteran. And I can imagine as I listened more to your story, that that would make sense right because a society that supposedly has their shit together then drafting a young man and telling him to go kill a bunch of people that doesn't compute right so it would make sense then that veterans whether they're living on the street or they're making millions of dollars might hold as a long standing remnant of that experience in, in, of war that this society, this conditioning isn't isn't real. It's It's that dual mask that you described. The other thing I wanted to highlight is what you'd said about disease. I thought that was something that was powerful. On the one hand, I think the power of the label PTSD is potentially it gets funding and services for people, but I also hear what you're saying is, it becomes a way to create more separation because the minute you start labeling someone with a diagnosis, then you can put them in a box and set them aside and call them other. And that increases isolation. I imagine it's kind of how you described, you said if we feel more alone in that disease state, when we're sort of given this narrative, when in reality, What I hear you saying is as painful and shitty, and I wouldn't wish this kind of trauma on anyone in order for them to have a a liberation from their own ego, but I do hear that there is a huge growth, I guess post-traumatic growth spiritual awakening that happens for, for many veterans because they have no other choice. And so I'm just reflecting those things back. Did I get it right? What did I miss?
1: Oh, no, you're, you're right on track. And, and when I say that, first, uh, it, it, we live in a world of language. You know, it doesn't matter what dialect. We live in the world of language. Words are frequencies. So I'll give you an example. Having been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury as a result of my combat experiences. I was rated at 100% disabled veteran, which basically means the government sends me a check for all over $3,000 a month. Now I could have said, okay, great. And I could have lived with that. But because of my relationship with God and, and the uh, transformation occurred to me when I had 17 years of sobriety because I had just went out, I just trans- transitioned all of my other addictions into workaholism and I became very successful financially. So I figured I'd control everything by the checkbook and that if I was going to die alone, then I must be rich. So that was my philosophy. And then one day that even shifted. So what I had to do is change my definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. And I said, what if I change my perception? What if I redefined post-traumatic stress disorder as past trauma stated differently? I cannot undo what happened. Facts are facts. But I can change my interpretation And the meaning I associated with my behavior in the killing fields of Vietnam. Yeah. And it started when I finally accepted that my sickness of the soul was a result of playing God. Because I had the power. And I was such a frightened little boy. I chose to do it differently. I started my nonprofit because I did not want the money the government gave me. So I give ninety percent of all that money that is given to me away to the nonprofit.
0: So, Gary, tell me a little bit because I know that you know we've spent a little time together and we keep these conversations relatively short. But I want to make the time to get into what is this that you're doing with your nonprofit now and and. What do you, who do you serve? How do you serve?
1: Well, uh, I developed an online program that allows people, veterans, non-vet, because we're all veterans. It allows people to go online to pathwaysforveterans.com. And if they fill out the contact information form and they're looking for help, then I will give them access to an online protocol. Program, if you will, that we call it the 30-day program. It's a it's a program of self uh, uh, self examination, if you will. If they do the program, it uh, it's not a very complicated program, but it's a very difficult program because you have to be willing to tell the truth. And if you go through the program, when you complete the first 30 days then I scholarship you into another 60-day program that A, basically is how to change your subconscious belief systems.
0: So, so, so how many folks have you have you supported through Pathways for Veterans at this point?
1: Oh, boy. Well, bef- through Pathways for Veterans and nonprofits, probably in excess of 1,500. I, I'm self-funded. Yep. You know, uh, and partially because money usually comes with somebody's opinion. And frankly, I'm not interested in other people's opinion because most people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, and, uh, so th- this program was designed by a veteran for veterans. And after about the third, third week in the program, if you go into the, the next 60 days, you're actually working with other veterans. In other words, you call them volunteers with what you're doing. And if you're in the program, you're reaching out, and this whole program is based on service. Yeah, you're either helping someone else or you're helping yourself. Choose. It's real simple, yeah. you know. And I would rather serve others than serve myself because I know the outcome if I'm self-serving. I got so, a problem.
0: And so you took this nonprofit work, and you've translated some of your work into a film and a book. Tell us more about about that and, and what you're hoping to leave with people with what you're hoping to do and impact people with your book and your film.
1: Well, a good day to die was kind of the awakening. okay It's just it's really after about the third or fourth chapter, the book isn't about me anymore. The book is about you because we're all the same. you know I point out the similarities, not the differences. So if you read a, a good day to die, then the second part or the second book is called The Genesis of Change and that'll come out in the springtime and it's really the roadmap on how now that you found out that you're full of shit and how you got that way, how can you put structures in place over a period of time that will rewire the subconscious belief system based upon your authenticity, if you will, who you really are, not this illusion of who you've become as a result of your early programming. And it's really a program that is really designed by the, by the participant, if you will. If they have the ability to tell the truth and share it with another human being, they can actually get their life back and have an extraordinary life with the time they have remaining. And then the last book, the, the last book that I haven't started on yet, but it'll be probably the fall of next year is called what's next. So now that you wake up, now that you've figured out a game plan on how to move forward, then what's your service going to be? Who are you going to serve now that you found out the truth? And so that's really what it's about. The, the, the folks that are wanting to put the, put the movie together, uh, it's all around the, uh, the trilogy, if you will, how a guy like me became who I am. And it's part about it's part about the experiences I had, because I'm kind of like the prodigal son times 10. Guys like me don't exist anymore. You know, we're most of, there's very few of my fellow veterans that aren't either in prison, drunk, or dead. Uh, so I'm kind of an outlier. But uh, it's, Primarily, you know, two years ago, I had a seven-way bypass and a new heart valve. Go figure. I mean, that would have been a perfect opportunity to to check out, but that wasn't the the plan because I'm on mission. I think that's what most people don't understand. Veterans are programmed for the mission. The mission is what gives them a sense of purpose that gives them value.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you take that away and they're left with no debrief or no reconstruction, they're pretty much hopeless. Because society, they have to step into a world that doesn't work. I mean, I rest my case, if you look at what we're producing on planet Earth as consciousness, I would suggest we're not very good stewards to one another.
0: So let me ask you, in our last few moments together, who are the people that have mattered to you on your journey? Because you've been speaking a lot about your own personal awakenings and spiritual questing. And at Sidewalk Talk, ultimately we believe that the power of human connection has the potential to shift our society, hopefully so we're not going to war and sending young men to war, hopefully so that we're not, leaving people in a state of poverty where they have to live on the street. I wanted to find out from you, what were the most meaningful relationships, aside from your personal awakening, that deeply impacted your life so that we can model those models?
1: Well, I suppose I would say my peeps when I'm in a room full of alcoholics, drunks, uh, addicts, homeless, and I can just be with them and I see, the, I see the faraway look light up a little bit. We call it the China Stare. They're, they're not only my peeps, my tribe, if you will, but they're my salvation. You know, so for me to be there for them, and there's been a lot of them. You know, when you're responsible for the death of thousands and thousands of human beings because the power you had when you were a 19 year old kid, you'll spend a lifetime atoning for those choices. Mm -hmm. Most of them really weren't choices, they were decisions made driven by uh, the fear of death and what I realized is that there is no such thing as death. Death is is also an illusion, you know, and when you look at it from a different perspective, from a scientific uh, uh, microcosm, if you will, we're just protons of light in motion, and we have a soul. And when you damage the soul with inappropriate behavior, there is a price to pay. I paid the ultimate price and so the time that i have remaining is dedicated to supporting as many others as humanly possible in hopes that my journey here was not in vain that i came for a purpose that was hidden from my view for most of my life so i get the i get the strength to move on i got the courage to have a seven way bypass not because i wasn't ready to go because i've been re- i'm I'm ready to go anytime now. I've lived an extraordinary life because I don't have a lot of crap to clean up anymore. So I'm here to serve and nothing else. And as long as I have time to do that, then I'll be doing what I do. I love being with people and watching the light come on. What you're doing on the sidewalk is the real work. You know, part of our some of the 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 experiential training we do is with veterans is to have them walk through a mall, and look in the eyes as many people as they can while they're walking, and just say thank you and nod their head, nothing else, just say thank you. And then to look in the mirror, which is usually the 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 window, because all the malls have windows. And watch the look on the complete stranger's eye when they see you acknowledge them by saying thank you. And they're complete strangers. The shift in energy is overwhelming because we all want the experience of being acknowledged. Hmm. Everyone. You cannot be in physical form on planet Earth and not want the experience of being acknowledged for who you are and who you're not. Mm-hmm. And we look to all of these these outside uh, sources, if you will, for something that's just so simple. Can you just be with another human being in such a way that you don't exist, that they're more important than you? And if you can, then you really have the keys to the kingdom, and you get to live on Earth in Heaven. And to me, there's no. This is this, this is a, this is this is great. All of my All of my trauma has been worth it. You know, people don't understand that, Uh, how grateful I am to not only have survived, but have the willingness and courage to tell the truth, you know, uh, unflavored. I'm I'm, I'm not designed for public consumption, if you will.
0: (laughs) Well, Gary, we could just talk for, for days and days, I can tell. Um, oh, I think, yeah. I think, that, I think that that last point is, deserves a, a little highlighting, which is the peace and human connection that matters to veterans in this unique story that they carry inside of them where they have been dehumanized and they have dehumanized is to be profoundly egoless in acknowledging the humanity of a veteran and letting them acknowledge your humanity. Devoid of labels, devoid of diagnoses, just a a deep and pure acknowledgement and honoring seems to be the key ingredient here in your own journey and in the journeys that you're creating for some of the veterans that you've worked with over the years and so i thank you for entering into a, a a dialogue with me and you know i'm 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 also imagining where i'm learning a lot about someone who's 73 right you know you're having a whole different you have you're a veteran of age too and a, a, a you know a, a what did you say what what do you say seven bypass <laughs> sex yeah
1: it was a seven-way bypass seven-way
0: seven-way bypass so you're a veteran of age you're a veteran of war you're a veteran of childhood abuse and um you were on a journey of healing and it really Oh yeah. a key component is acknowledgement so i thank you for your time and, and if
1: there's anything i can do to support the work that you're doing feel free to reach out you know uh We're here to serve. you know. Even though we're in Northern California, we have locations. I think we have seven or eight different locations. We're getting ready to open up a retreat center in Arkansas for female veterans where they can come and spend 14 days on us. And they'll go through a scholarship process. And those that qualify to come to the retreat uh, will be able to be in the experience of some of the top trainers in the world. In experiential training and give them access to a very deep dive in the, in the technologies that we use today with the vibroacoustics and the skate away frequencies and the halo therapy and all of the different tools that we're using, uh, cutting edge technologies to actually become healers. Uh, if they have a desire to help others, we're going to set them up in business. We're all about entrepreneurship and, and helping women become successful. Uh, we believe that. The female energy is what's going to transform the planet. Uh, in the next 50 years, it will come from the, the, the female energy will lead the way. So we're pretty excited about this.
0: Well, thank you again. And we'll be sure to post information about path, Pathways for Veterans in our show notes. And for everyone listening, thanks for spending the time with myself and Gary Ferguson. And um, thanks, Gary.
1: Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Have fun today.
0: You too. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.